This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What is up, all of my beautiful freaking people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Today, we are bringing another man on into the lion's den. And it's an interview that I'm really excited for you guys to hear. So sit back, grab a drink, and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. <gasps> he did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh, no, she didn't. Oh, my goodness. Let's get some male energy on this show. I'm ready for it. You probably recognize Josh Wingate from movies like Priest and Insidious or TV shows like Code Black, Lethal Weapon, The Rookie, CSI, Sons of Anarchy, Teen Wolf. I mean, the list goes fucking on. But I know him as a a good longtime friend. And I had been getting messages from people saying that they wanted to hear a male's perspective of being cheated on. And so I reached out to Josh seeing if he would be open to telling his story, which is rather unique, his journey that he's had. And he agreed to come on. Um, He was very nervous when he showed up. He looked at me and he's like, Gabrielle, I almost didn't come. Um, It it was a lot of uh, fear for him to walk through to speak about his story and his journey publicly. And I'm so glad that he was able to push through that fear because it ended up being a really beautiful episode. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. One of the things that we talk a lot about in this episode is toxic masculinity, which examples of that could be growing up hearing men don't cry, you know, be a man don't show your feelings, men are supposed to do things in a certain way, really toxic traits that get instilled in young men more often than not, unfortunately, especially men that grew up 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Now in today's world, we're thankfully starting to steer away from that in a lot of households. And I personally know a lot of women that are raising some really incredible boys and teaching them to be emotional and be in touch with their emotions and be compassionate. But not everyone was lucky enough to grow up in a household like that. So when we talk about toxic masculinity, it really refers to the notion that some people's ideas of manliness that they teach perpetuates things like domination, homophobia, aggression, and really negative qualities and traits um, 
that are instilled with men from a very, very young age. And this idea that men need to act tough and avoid showing emotions, it can be really harmful to their mental health and can have really serious consequences for people that enter their lives and society as a whole, which is how it really became known as toxic masculinity. And unfortunately, there are a lot of boys that grew up in households that taught that. Josh was one of those people. So it's really interesting to hear the story um, and background of his upbringing that then kind of set him on this trajectory to how his uh, adult life played out as far as relationships and what he's learned from all of that and how he has broken through some of that. So I'm very excited to dive into this episode today, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Without further ado, Mr. Josh Wingate. Josh Wingate. My face hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're a little nervous. Don't be nervous. You're you're just walking into the lion's think, don't den. Don't think of a white horse. Right, right. <laughs> no, I'm I'm so happy that you're here because I know... A little bit about your story that we're going to be talking about today. And I think it's really important that we get a male's perspective of what it has been like to get cheated on in a relationship, because we've talked a lot about what it's been like for me as a female, what other people have dealt with. Um, We've gotten a perspective of a male that has done the cheating, but we've never talked to someone who has gone through kind of all aspects Mm -hmm. of it. So I'm excited to, to dive into that with you. Yeah, let's just dive in. <laughs> let's just go head first, head first, rip the bandaid. Yes. Well, yeah, because I guess I'm kind of both, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why don't you give everybody a little backstory kind of explanation of who you are first before we go into the uh, relationship stuff? Okay. Well, my name is Josh Wingate, as you said, and grew up in Massachusetts, single mom, and... I, <laughs> I, how far back do you want me to well, go? Well, I mean, I, you yeah. know, kind of like the staples of what, what shaped, you know, some of the things we're going to be talking about in your relationship. So yeah, the single okay. mom. Okay. Yeah. Single mom. My parents split probably from what I remember around like three, four years old. Yeah. Earliest memory. I've done a lot of work on this one. I used to not even be able to talk about it, but earliest memory is I'm in the back of a car. And I think it was my, I'm pretty sure it was my father's car at night. And then I think I was supposed to be going to stay with him. But apparently, and this is kind of cloudy, but like super dark memory. And I just didn't know where I belonged. Mm. So going back, I think I went back and forth between his house and her place three or four times that Mm. night. And then I woke up the next morning under the bed at his place. Oh, wow. Yeah. And just really like ah (laughs) well yeah like don't know really how to stand my ground and like where i where i belong yeah and that where and i think that theme is has been super prevalent in i would say 90 percent of my life than not knowing where i belong Mm. Uh, so it's no surprise i'm an actor right (laughs) (laughs) but really yeah not knowing where i belong not knowing where i fit in And, and that carried over into other aspects of childhood um Having the single mom, all my cousins who I'm really close with are all nuclear families, and mom, dad, brothers, sisters. So I'm only child, no brother, sisters, uh, no other, just one parent. Mm-hmm. 
So even in the family dynamic, I could see that there was something wrong. Like, and there was like, I was different. Right. Even in, you know, adolescent years, I, I think I, my first like French kiss or we called it scooping where I grew up, which is really That's random. such an ugly word I for know, it. Why right? would you ever call that? I, I didn't invent it, but if you like scooped on someone. That oh my God, Boston, get it together. Yeah, okay. I <laughs> but I think it was very specific to Quincy, Massachusetts. Okay, so got like it, got Quincy's it. Quincy's just its own little microcosm of awesomeness and strangeness as right. well. But um, yeah, so first uh, kiss was I was 11 uh-huh. so I was pretty young and with an older girl and I I just remember feeling like so I know it was like a high almost mm-hmm. like I was like whoa and I was it was something that I had that was special and so I think I started developing that at that age being different was also good mm-hmm. but I also was bullied and I was also um very much a mama's boy. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, my mom always taught me to always walk away, always walk away. But she's super combative <laughs> <laughs> as well. Like I learned how, and this is very relevant, I think, for what, what we're going to get to in um, my marriage, my ex-marriage, is uh, learning how to fight was not healthy. Mm. Like, it was very verbal, very you know, cut right to it, especially in my adolescent years <clears throat> as I got older. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. Just, uh... Yeah, and any name you name it, every name in the book, you know, no holds bar. Just mm. and that was how it was. You know, so like a toxic way of communicating yeah. when it came to altercations and fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it became like that's just how I learned how to, yeah, argue and learn how to fight, and um, it became a defense mechanism sure. because I was being, it was coming at me, and I so it became a defense mechanism. And definitely carried over through most of my relationships. Mm. And um, I don't know. I'm not saying I don't didn't know any better, but I didn't know any better. Right, right. Until I decided, like, oh wait, this is a pattern in my life that is not good. But you know, you can tell yourself that, and then and then it's uh, you know, you get you can logically be like, oh, that's not good. Let me not do that. And right. And you get triggered, and then it's like happens all over again. I was in a. a, a toxic relationship believe it or not in massachusetts with a 
you know, someone that was just kind of fit the bill that I tend to have gotten in relationships with when I was younger is someone who is an outlier themselves and then, but not necessarily an outlier and like doing great things, an outlier that probably not very mentally healthy. Mm. And <laughs> my arrogant young self thought I would be able to help and save, but really I, I needed the, right, right. the help and saving. But so anyways, I found out like she, this, um, she had like made out with some guy one night and I was working seven days a week in bars and restaurants. I'm like drinking every single night, just part of the lifestyle. I found that out and I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? And the next morning I went and I bought a one-way ticket to Los Angeles. No I, shit. Yeah, because acting was, um, acting was a big deal. So you come to LA. Yeah. What, when did you meet your, who, the woman that became your wife? In high school. Oh, no shit. Yeah, so she, we okay. went to the same high school. She was a year older. I had done some theater with her mm-hmm. um, in high school. And I had also done some theater with her in um, post, like some community stuff. Mm-hmm. She was in a long-term relationship with uh, her high school sweetheart. And then they moved out here together. She was supposedly pers- going to pursue acting, but she more is in the... Um, a nonprofit sector and works mm-hmm. in that film and just made a career in that world. Obviously, they split up and then we, it was just, um, I had just gotten to a breakup with someone out here and she was single and we we knew each other and we got together and we're like, oh, this is fun. We were just hanging out and then we slowly started dating and it was just a lot, the stars kind of aligned in a lot of ways. We knew each other. Yeah. Like we were hometown friends and and then, uh, yeah, fast forward several years later, we decided to get married. But before we got married, we were uh, we were living together in Santa Monica, and this is one of my one of my mo's had always been if I felt like the relationship was going to end or if I was going to be left. Um, I was engaged. I know I'm kind of jumping around, but I was engaged when I was pretty young. I was 22, 23, mm-hmm. and amazing beautiful wild crazy love but just like no way <laughs> we, it was just right. crazy uh and she had left she like left empty apartment type of thing so mm-hmm. abandonment was definitely a issue in my life with um, my father leaving right not really like with especially my teenage years with my mom and young adulthood with my mom it was like was it love is it not it was kind of like a in and out and yeah pretty abandonment and not knowing where you stand yeah exactly yeah. so yeah so i come to la i actually the girl who i left in massachusetts i had a moment of weakness and said she should come she could come so we were in a relationship up here. I left that relationship right to another relationship. It's just kind of what I did. Right. And um, serial monogamy. But <laughs> but mm-hmm. also, if it got rough, I wasn't monogamous. Got it. You okay. Know? So I, it was just, a, you know, looking. I'm able to look at now and see, oh, yeah, it's my way of finding a place to belong. Right. And making sure that you were okay and not abandoned. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you were with your... Your, was she your girlfriend at the time before you guys got married? When yeah. you... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we were, to, we were in a relationship. We were living together. Okay. And, and what happened that made you feel like you needed to run and cheat? Um, I kind of felt her pulling away. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a 
program that is supposed to be for good, but uh, uh, that pro I met someone in that program and uh, just in chemistry. Mm -hmm. and I was in a program where, hey, I felt like I belonged. Right. <laughs> so I can really see these themes so easily now. Right, right, right. You know, it's Hindsight. Like, oh. It's like, oh, there's the dot, there's the dot, just so you could easy, yeah. easy. You know, I'm, I'm not as complicated of a person as I thought I was. Right, you right. Know, I'm pretty, <laughs> you could easily map my life. So, yeah, so I met this person and we had a super crazy chemistry and I did what I always did. And I um, started seeing her on this, you know, secretly. And yet not being living with integrity and honesty and telling my girlfriend who would be, then become my wife, um, but she found out about it and we, we were part of a yoga community too. I just laugh at myself. <laughs> the shit I've done in my life. It's like, oh yes, I'm this yogi, but here I am. <laughs> here I am doing all this shit. Yeah, so uh, I ended the other relationship, the one, the one I was, um, the other girl I was seeing, and we went to we found a couples therapy, and we went to couples therapy, and. This is legit probably the first time I was in a legit therapist. I probably should have been since high school, right. if not younger. Um, but back east, it's like, mm. yeah. It's, you know, I was, a, I was in a part of a tragic accident in high school where a kid died in a hockey game as a result of my, my check. So I should have been in therapy. You know? uh, yeah. I should have been in therapy. And we had a school therapist. And I remember one time being super vulnerable and asking him, like, can I see you as my therapist? Because I connected with her. And she said she couldn't, and I was like, which she legally couldn't. But right. as a kid in a vulnerable place like right. that, I would abandon. You're like, well, I'm never fucking asking for help yeah, again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and plus, the family I grew up in, Irish Catholic, we don't really talk about the real problems. Mm -hmm. Love my family, but it's a big weakness. Yeah. And it's a, and it so back to where we were. So I first time I go into therapy, we go find a couples therapist, and went to it pretty regularly, and... It became a little bit about individual therapy and then couples therapy and things we were working on and things got better for, for yeah, they definitely got better because decided to get married. You know? Right. And so did she, she had forgiven you through the therapy that you worked in, you know, in couples therapy. Do you feel like you were really putting in the work and doing what mm -hmm. needed to be done to like rectify the wrongs and like build the relationship back up? Um, yes, and <laughs> yes, I looked at a lot of the reasons why I would have those behaviors, like, you know, leaving the relationship type of behaviors. And I also started developing a complex that who I was intrinsic intrinsically, who I was as a person was bad. Mm. So I started trying to become someone that would appease her. Got it. And. It worked for a while, mm -hmm. you know, but then, of course, like the, you know, the more you do that and the more you leave yourself and who you really are behind because, you, you know, it's like, oh, I have this bad thing. So it's all bad. Right. It's like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater type of thing. Yeah. The further we went in the relationship, the further I was try always just trying to, trying to be something, right? Because she came up from a nuclear family. I didn't. She knew 
how to be a good person, how to run a business, how to, mm-hmm. you know, this is how, this is what people do, that thing. And um, I could never actually meet those things because <laughs> I'm Josh Wingate <laughs> right. and I'm not, I'm not every person. So, yeah. but yeah, I think we developed different communication styles and for a while I think we really tried and I think it was definitely a we thing and, you know, learned about love languages and learned about uh, better how to communicate with one another. and. Yeah. And so then you guys decide to get married. Yes. So everything must have been pretty good for a significant amount of time for you to want to take that step together. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever feel like there was fully forgiveness from her part? I don't, I don't know. So I guess that would mean no, Mm. because I think, you know, but it was good enough for you to think that you could propose and for her to want to move forward. And yeah. Yeah. So yes, exactly. So I would say yes in forgiveness of that. But I think that maybe there wasn't full forgiveness and it manifested in other ways. Other right. Than that. Right. And other than that, like, um, you know, I didn't do the dishes on time or something like mm-hmm. that, or didn't take the trash out when it was supposed to be taken. Right. Out, right. Right. Or whatever it was, it was like a multitude of things. And then I do it. And then it was only cause I was asked to do it. And so therefore it was like never good enough. And so I think there was like almost like a resentment resentment. Yeah. Yes. And, and I'm not taking away from the love we had because we there was a love. One of the best days of my life was my wedding day. It was mm-hmm. fucking awesome. Yeah. It was so beautiful. All these people here are celebrating. You know, we were super connected and there was definitely love. There's no denying that there was love. And I think that's the hard part of the way things ended. It's so easy to forget like, oh, wait, there's actually some beautiful sure. stuff here and beautiful connection and love and and learning yeah and um yeah so so where did it take a turn after you guys got married you know like the honeymoon phase was awesome after you know we were married um you know super connected and physical um sexually like beautiful and and then just kind of mm, fizzled fast Mm -hmm. and um i think pretty early on in our relationship it just kind of like went back similarly to that phase we were in where I was going to leave the relationship. Where you felt her pulling away. Yeah, pulling away. And, you know, I wanted kids, so I brought that up a lot. And um, there was always something that else that had to be done. And Mm. kids, and we're getting old. We're not getting any younger. And uh, I think it was on our second anniversary, we're up in northern maine where uh, her family has a place and it was just it was so clear that she was so far away Mm. like cruel in so many ways like Mm. kind of pulled away and like like a despise for me in many ways so um but i was uh you know once i decided to get married i was i was in yeah when when that was happening were you sitting in the relationship going what the fuck am i doing wrong because i remember in my marriage you know, the sick period that the affair was going on and it could have been going on longer than that. But like, I, I know for a fact that it was six months, um, uh, minimum that I was sitting there going to therapy, doing all the work, really showing up and nothing was being reciprocated and nothing was ever yeah. enough. And I was like, what the fuck am like, what's wrong? Yeah. And it makes you like second guess everything inside of yourself because you're like, 
if I'm showing up and I'm doing all this work and it's still not enough for this person, like what's wrong with me? Like it's yeah. gotta be me. Yeah. And it yeah. really fucks with your psyche in the sense of like you, you really like your confidence is just shot. Yeah. I relate. I'm yesing and nodding and <laughs> all of the above. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, and I, and I decided, which I discovered in therapy, I decided at one point, probably when I was like between the ages of three to six years old, that when I became a husband, I was going to, that's it. Yeah. And I'm going to be a father. That's it. Like, mm -hmm. this is it. So I would, that is almost a negative reason to, to stay in a relationship yeah. and being a part of the relationship yeah. be good. But it's like a core belief that we did, that we establish in our life and we accept in our life, but we don't necessarily know we did it. Right. But I knew I had that value. Like, well, and it, it was reinstilled in you when you watched and experienced your parents break up and go back and forth. So yeah. you were like, I'm not fucking going to repeat that. Yeah. So I'm sure it was even more pressure on that sense. And nor, and nor would I want to do that to a child or to somebody else yeah. type of thing. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, during that period when she, when I felt that way, I came back home shortly after, and she was staying back east. She had family up there. She would um, spend more time back there, and she could work remotely. And, you know, I could just... Something had happened where she was, like, out, and she was drinking, and she was just, again, being, like, really kind of off-putting and curt and cold. And <laughs> I was, like you know, watching her find my iPhone and she was like not going where she said she was going. Oh fuck. And I was kinda like that and then I kept talking to her. She was just and she got really upset with me and I think she ended up going back to her mother's cause it, but I just had this feeling mm -hmm. and then and then later on I'd, I think she was back home again. That feeling was still and I found uh, on one of her devices, you know, a chat. And so she'd been in a whether it had gotten physical or not yet she was in a emotional emotional relationship outside the marriage for a, for a while like within like a year or maybe definitely within the first two years of the marriage oh wow yeah so for and a long period of time as well it felt you know whether it was a long period of time or not, it was definitely months yeah you know it was definitely months and um you know, she had even shot a music video with this guy. Um, mm. So, you know, and it was clear. It was clear that there was interest. You know, so then I confronted her about the conversation. And, of course, it was deny, deny, deny. And then eventually she admitted to it. Admitted to having an emotional relationship with him or admitted? Physical, that okay, it was, so uh, both. Yeah. Talk about cognitive dissonance. Just like I literally felt like the world just out from underneath my feet yeah just well it's yeah. it's an interesting situation because you guys had gotten together and you had stepped out on the relationship and then you had both chosen to go to therapy do the work and you know forgive and work through it and mm -hmm. and made the decision to take a more serious step and get engaged and take vows and be mm -hmm. married and then just for her to turn around and do the same thing. It's yeah. it's really like why bother getting married in the first place? You know, and I mean listen, she's she can't be yes. 
Yes, I get it. But, you know, she can't be to blame for everything. Like, we're, well, in, no, a, we're in a relationship, and I definitely, like I said, I when I get triggered or I've done extreme, like so much work on myself <laughs> and a great reason because of this relationship and this marriage. But, I, you know, I get angry, I get upset, or I get threatened. It's like the words come out and it's like verbally abusive, verbally yeah. assaulting. And, uh, you know, it came back. Trust me, it was both ways. And she definitely knew exactly what button to go after. Right. Like it was a jugular. It's like, I'm going to go right for the jugular. So it wasn't, you know, and so I can imagine not feeling safe in a relationship like that with someone who would, you know, you, oh yeah, we love each other involves, but then, hey, next minute it's like, fuck you, you're a bitch. Right. You know, it's, I'm, I can see clearly, like, you know, oh yeah, that's not a safe environment. Right. So I understand. It's toxic. Yeah, it's toxic. Definitely toxic. And, and, and who was the person that she was stepping out on the marriage with? Someone. Because it wasn't someone just random, right? No, no. It was a guy from same high school we went to. He was older than her. And so I think when I was a freshman, I think he was a senior. But like you knew him. Yeah, I knew. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that must have, and that must have dug a little deeper. <laughs> I mean, I. Yeah, of course. Can because imagine. Because you know, you have a knowing. I think maybe. Yeah. There's an, you know who I am. Yeah. And. And you know that we're married. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I, I confronted him, you know, I got his phone number and I called him and had some choice words and, you know. What did he have to say? Well, your relationship was basically ending anyway. So that oh, was his belief. Right. And I was like. Well, that's because what she made him believe. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I understand that. And, yeah. um, and then of course he's denying and denying and I'm like, she's sitting right here. She just told me. Right. So now you're lying to me. Ugh. And I'm like. It's really good that he was in Massachusetts and that was right, right. Because it's really good I couldn't drive to his house to confront him. Um, um, no, it's extremely good, and I, you know. Okay, so after yeah. this, what did you guys just decide to get a divorce, or was there a let's work through it? No, it was a same therapist, same therapy thing, mm -hmm. and it started off like. Started off very much on the scale of, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, da-da-da. And then it grew pretty freaking quick and went, shroom, why it was my fault for everything. Mm. And I and got, was that, was why it was your fault, the initial cheating that happened? Or was it, you know, the way that the relationship was and the, just, every, you, all of the above? All of the above, <laughs> probably all right. of the above, yeah. And then I, I got an ultimatum from her to see my own therapist, find my own therapy. Um, not even fine. She gave me a card of somebody that she was seeing a therapist at this office. And mm -hmm. uh, she gave me a card and basically was like, you have to go to therapy or else. Right. So it's like, okay, I'll try it. And <laughs> the great irony is that I'm my first session in there. Uh, it's a young woman. Uh, so it's kind of weird for me being um, like at least almost 40, no, probably like late 30, 38 at mm -hmm. that time. Across from a young 20 something therapist and, and just like blah, blah, blah. And I was saying, you know, well, she wants this. She wants me to do that. She wants this. She wants that. And the therapist said, well, what do you want? Mm. And it, it legit felt like I was driving a big, huge Mack truck at like a hundred miles an hour and just pulled the e-brake. Mm -hmm. Just like, Woo! and I realized I hadn't asked myself 
for years mm. what I wanted. For who knows the last time like it was it was actually doing anything that I wanted to do in life. And I said the first thing I said was, I don't want this. I don't want this relationship. Mm. It wasn't even what I want. It's right. Like, I knew like why am I working? <laughs> yeah. Why am I working for yeah. something that I don't even want to be in? Yeah. And I don't want this. So it was profound. Mm-hmm. Simplest, simple, yet as most <laughs> profound things are, they're quite simple. Right. And so, you know, then we went back to group therapy and group therapy and I was just moving toward it. Like I said early on, yeah, I... Even if we were to work things out, I need to have a divorce mm. because I'm go- still, I realize and I've found in therapy, like, yeah, that marriage is super important to me and that that commitment is super important. Yes, probably born out of a negative and trauma. That being said, I still wanted to keep the sanct, you know, the sanctuary of it, mm-hmm. not sanctity, whatever the word is. Forgive my Boston grandma here. Uh, <laughs> but, um, so even if we were going to stay together, which mm-hmm. was still a possibility in my mind, mm-hmm. I wanted a divorce. Mm. I needed a divorce. And, you know, that's when definitely in the first affair that I had before we were married, definitely started coming up a mm. lot. Oh, well, it's different for you. You know, like it was all this, you know, it became very me versus you. Right. My affair versus yours. Yeah, and everything, and everything. Which both were wrong. So, like, it's like to pit one against the other. It's like clear that she had not forgiven the first one. Not to say that she should Mm -hmm. have, but she shouldn't have gone into a marriage Mm -hmm. without having those feelings sorted out. Yeah, I guess, but I shouldn't have gone into marriage not being accountable to myself and being of course, you know, to myself and. And if I had knowing that I had a tendency to be verbally abusive, then I should not actually take really good action to work, you know, that then, then I, uh, that's on me. So so did you guys end up getting divorced? Yes. Yeah. We got separated first. She got an apartment. Did she stop seeing the other guy during this whole time? Uh, I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I was pretty clear and I got to a point where I was like pretty much knowing that I would want it to be over as fucking painful as it was. It was one of the most excruciating times of my life. I was you know, borderline suicidal, like really <laughs> contemplating taking my own life. And it just the pain was huge. And it, and, it, and it wasn't just the affair. It was the, the cognitive dissonance of the idea of what marriage was to me and i was with her for 10 years almost right. nine to 10 years of my life at that point that's a quarter of my life yeah and, and the pain that you like failed in something that you held so sacred yeah 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 and then yeah and so i want to kind of talk about toxic masculinity because everything you've been saying i feel like kind of can stem back to that sure not at a fault of yours at a fault of like our world and our society that you know you grew up from a place where therapy is kind of like looked down on and it's not really you know what men do and Mm -hmm. you know it's it's such a big thing in our world today when people are like oh well you know men don't cry and you know be a man and like toughen up and be strong and i feel like there's so many things in your timeline and in your story that if you would have had a different perspective or a different um if someone would have like turned you down a different road at one Mm -hmm. of those it would have saved you from so many of the things that you dealt with and 
would have later on in life probably allowed you to make different decisions to save you from a lot of like the chaos that ensued from those decisions. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, well, I agree that it's that, that, you know, I, I, I shy away from like, you know, clicky words like that, but it's a very true thing. And I really do talk, I, I actually openly talk about uh, masculinity and, in a good positive sense with my students and kids that I teach and the young men I work with and how vulnerability is actually the most brave you can be. Yeah. And, um, yeah, because it is, it, it is. Um, and I'm a big fan of Glennon Doyle. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read um, yeah. Untamed and she talks about that, um, this specific thing in her book, cause she's talking about how she raised her daughters to be like these radical feminists. And then she's like, wait a second. When was the last time I took my son out? Because she used to say, take your daughters out and be like, right. look at him, look at her. I wonder how strong and what type of business leader she is. And it's like, well, what about the boys? Because mm-hmm. like, then she heard on the news, like, you know, male rapes this person, male mass shooting, male right. this, male this. Yeah. And this anger comes from, <laughs> it's not a male thing. Yet the reason is male is because of undealt with emotions. Yeah. Undealt with not knowing how to healthily process what you're actually experiencing totally because you're uh labeled a you know you're labeled a derogatory term or you're labeled less than a mat man you're you know in where i came from they're like you know definitely homophobic terms mm-hmm. and it's toxic it's, yeah it, it is toxic masculinity and and you know i'm so grateful that Oh, fuck. I'm so grateful. Like, there's a song called God Bless, like The Broken Road. That yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that kind of corny, cheesy country song, but it's fucking beautiful because it's like, <laughs> yeah, God Bless the Broken Road because here I am now, I'll be 44 this week, and I am, I'm a man who's like, I'm honest, and I'm, I'm a man of integrity, and I can, like, I can look people in the eye and I can just be myself mm-hmm. and I can process what I'm feeling. And I'm so fuck. I'm crying because I'm so proud of myself because of how far I've come. Yeah. You know, and, and it, 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 it ails me so much to know that I've hurt people along the way. And, you know, it, it hurts me because I've never, we've never had closure, my, me and my ex, and I really wish we could. I've reached out before, and but maybe sometimes she'll be ready. But and maybe if ever she watches this and she sees it <laughs> and she wants to have closure, because I really like, you know, I want to, you know, I just want to take accountability for the pain that I've caused, and just let it be known, like the pain wasn't your fault. It wasn't like anybody else's fault, but it wasn't like it was just something I never dealt with, and like, yeah, and. I didn't know how to. So if there could be any type of compassion in that, you know, if we're dealing with people who are, especially young men who are like exhibiting the behaviors that are angry and lashing out, just know that they're fucking hurting so bad. Yeah. And they're, and it's so easy to be like, lock that fucker up and get away from me, you know, and, you know, and, uh, but I mean, there's a reason why mass shootings are white males. Like it's like, you know, this, and it's, so easy to be like oh it's and just make it this targeted thing to be angry at mm-hmm. but it's you always we're not helping we're not fucking helping right and it's really like to embrace somebody and because toxic masculinity shows up in many ways it shows up in sto in in the negative side of stoicism like i'm believing the stoic philosophy is meaning like the stoic like 
Oh yeah. Right. Like yeah. I'm a wall. I'm fine. I'm, I'm wall, totally I'm fine. fine. I'm totally fine. Yeah. Exactly. It shows up there. It shows up in uh, super aggressive behavior. It shows up in very demeaning ways, like mm-hmm. uh, you know, thinking better than another side of the species. You know, thinking you're better than women or whatever it is. It's it's uh, shows up in many ways, and it's and it stems from somewhere. It comes from somewhere. Yeah. And I think in today's society, we're so quick to attack the individual. And we're so quick to hold somebody accountable and not give space to growth and learning. And if I can be anything, and I'm, I almost didn't come today because I was like <laughs> freaking the fuck out. But I'm like, if I can be anything, I can be an example of a human being can grow. And yeah. A human being can learn. And I'm 44. I'm about to be a father. And, and I, I, I know in my core now who I am and I'm not that guy I was running away from. I'm actually running. I'm like embracing him yeah. and embracing how sensitive I was. I was super sensitive kid. Like yeah. Cry at the drop of a hat sensitive. That's my favorite thing about Tay mm-hmm. is that he's sensitive and in touch with his emotions. Like I think it's so interesting that so many kids and men get raised with this. Don't be emotional. Don't cry. Don't like talk about your feelings. But all women are like, fuck, I wish my guy would be emotional, talk about his feelings, like yeah. cry like when he needs to. Um, so I think it's a matter of redefining, you know, those really, really old beliefs. Mm-hmm. And the more people can do, you know, what you're doing now and come on and get emotional and get vulnerable and say, yeah, I used to be this way and I used to be- believe in all these things. And now I'm breaking open so that I can like bloom in a different way mm-hmm. and look how much better I am for it. Mm. If, you know, one guy can hear that and be like, oh, fuck, like, I I identify with that and I should do that too. That's huge. Yeah, and reach out to me. If you're that guy and you're afraid and you don't have that group, I'll tell you right now, I have amazing guy friends. <laughs> like, I have guys that I cry with. I have guys that we tell each other every single day we love each other. Oh, I love and that. And we embrace and we really, the, the goal is like how, if, if, and I tell them this to my students now, I'm like, I teach a lot of martial arts and a lot of what I try and teach is not martial arts. It's like, if I can every single day ask myself, how can I be a better man? How can I be a better friend? How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better dad? How can I be a better friend, uh, partner or whatever it is, a better coworker. And if I'm, my focus is on that, then it's not, you're not going, you know, pointing the finger around. Yeah. It's like, and that doesn't mean that we're not, Things haven't happened to us in our life or things will not happen. You know, we're going to be hurt. Yeah. You're going to get hurt. But if we're hurt and then we shove that deep down inside and then that hurt comes out later on somebody I love, they don't deserve that. Yeah. You know, they don't deserve that. So I talk about vulnerability being the actually most courageous thing you can be. Because if you look in the dictionary, one of the definitions of vulnerability is being susceptible to attack. Mm-hmm. So you're literally opening yourself to being. Attacked. Yep. Yep. Think about the amount of courage and bravery that takes. Yeah. To walk in and go, bear my chest. Fucking A. Bear my chest and be like, here it is. Yeah. And Man. it's to, for on a more superficial level, it's so much more attractive for me as a woman to see a man in that light as opposed to being quote whatever the fuck this even means manly you know what i mean it's so much more attractive to be like oh my god that person knows who they are and is confident in themselves and is vulnerable enough to like show people 
and be their true authentic self. It's the most attractive thing in any person, even like in like a female friend that like Mm -hmm. I'm wanting to be friends with when I can see their true authentic self and they're willing to show that to me. I'm like, Oh, this is someone I want to connect with deeper. Yeah. Yeah. And I a hundred percent and I have few friends, but man, they're plenty and those types of folks. And so you're, you're getting ready to have a baby girl. Yes. Yay. Yes. With your, amazing wife fiance wife we call each other <laughs> okay okay but 2020 happened so right right plans go? okay we're gonna say wife be, yeah. and i just freaking adore her i think she is one of the most mm-hmm. beautiful incredible humans i've ever met well she i wouldn't be here i wouldn't be speaking openly had it not been for her influence in my life yeah I mean, she and not because she's some magic worker which i think she is but <laughs> Because she gave me space. Yeah. So if I can, that's another message I would mm. love to say is that people who may be behaving poorly, if we can give them space to actually go through and share what they're actually feeling, give them the space to heal and, and, and express. Because it might be the first fucking time yeah. that somebody says, I'm scared. Right. I'm so, I don't know who I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And if we, and she's been amazing and what she's gone through, like she's seen me be suicidal. She's seen like how she's stuck around. I I feel that way too with Tay. Um, I write about it a lot in the second book, how he gave me the space and the, the okay to like go and heal and do what I needed to do and exist in a place that didn't, wasn't confined in like the traditional relationship box. Mm -hmm. And he will never truly know like what that did for me. Like I wouldn't, we probably wouldn't be together. I wouldn't be the person that I am now if he wouldn't have given me that space. So Mm -hmm. I think that's huge. Um, And that doesn't mean to let someone walk all over you or to completely ignore red flags that are fucking flying in your face and like enter into a shitty relationship because of it. But give the person space to be able to heal and process and work through some of those things. Yeah. So I think that's great. Mm-hmm. So you guys are getting ready to have a baby girl. I'm so yes. excited for you both. <laughs> um, what are some things that you're hoping as, because it's been really beautiful, even just in this episode, mm-hmm. to see where you started from and mm-hmm. how you've grown and shifted and really put in the work to mm-hmm. transform into the man that you are now. So what do you think as that new man you want to pass on to this like little being that you're bringing into the world? Well, <laughs> I already said I love Glennon Doyle, so <laughs> I do not want to tame her, you know, and I yeah. don't want her to fit into some idea or mold that even I may have, you know, so like, I think I will be the successful if I don't get in the way. And that doesn't mean be an absentee. That means like be very much involved, but just hopefully can just be like oh you you want to go this way okay let's go and see what happens this way and, yeah you know and 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 still a safe place for her to be uncomfortable uh, to express who she is and i mean i think she's going to probably teach me more than anything oh i, I can I, guarantee I, you <laughs> I, I, have, I think that i am not the teacher in the relationship that she will be yeah and i just want to create a family dynamic um at least the that and also give an example of what i believe um a, a good man is so when 
if and when she <laughs> she grows up and if she wants to be with a man that she can have an example of like how to she deserves to be treated and yeah and hopefully i will do that by being treating her mother <laughs> the way and you know and what i don't want to hide anything so i don't want to you know i feel like a, the biggest <laughs> one of huge things we that we do to hurt and create a lot of these toxic problems is we pretend to kids that something's not happening yeah they know what the fuck is going on yes i knew there was something wrong when i was yeah. a kid but no one came and said hey Hey, yeah you're not crazy this you're is what's crazy. going yeah, on this is what's going on yeah so, you know i don't know if you've seen pink's recent documentary no i haven't yet i can't wait though it's phenomenal yeah i she's just phenomenal in herself just to show how she shows how flawed she is she shows how she's torn between her career and her kids but she knows by doing her career she's teaching her kids more yep. than she could if she just was like gave up on herself and what she truly right, desired right. and so yeah, I mean, I think we will have to circle back around when I do have my baby girl and be like, so what you learn? And, right. And, uh, and how's that idea of not getting in the way work? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's great. <laughs> or it's like, fuck, I'm struggling. But yep. I mean, and I, and I hope that I can be flawed with her. But how beautiful that you were able to have all of those experiences with your ex-wife and, mm -hmm. you know, what the cheating taught you and how it pushed you into therapy to really start to do some of the work how beautiful that you had all of those experiences before you brought this new being into the world so that she can now have a dad who is in touch with all of those emotions and mm -hmm. is not afraid to be vulnerable and wants to teach all those things that you should have been taught when you were little yeah yeah i guess and then yeah <laughs> and i i don't know i don't know you know, but I do know, yes, yes to all that, but we have no idea what's coming. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to be, no it's, it'll be a wild ride, dude. Yeah. Oh, um, thank you so much for being here. Can you thank tell you. people where to uh, stalk you and find you on social media? Yes, um, I think I'm at Josh Wingate. J, um, you can see the spelling <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> at uh, Josh Wingate on, Inst I'm mostly on Instagram. Yeah. I, I have a. I am an actor, if, and I have another Instagram account, Josh Wingate Official. Which is that's the act, official one. That's more acting. Right, too, right. But <laughs> if you want to, I'm more on just Josh Wingate. And then if you, if you want to say hi, say hi. And yeah. then uh, there's a link to my band on there, too, if you like music. I've got some crazy... I still want to be a rock star at 44. So. I mean, why not, dude? Why not? Teach so. the kid that you can do it all. Hell yeah. Um, exactly. Thank you for being here. I know this was not like the most comfortable topic to discuss, but I think you did a really beautiful job at showing your, uh, the journey of how far you've come. And I hope it, uh, well, I don't hope, I know it will inspire some people out there. Well, to, uh, I hope that's what I hope too. And I hope that um, people can find that inspiration. They can find, just a little bit more in touch with who they are and the be beyond all the stuff we put on top of ourselves and forgiveness. I, yeah. hope, I hope we can learn to forgive one another because I think by forgiving, we're actually giving ourselves like a huge gift. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Cheers, yeah. dude. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Josh for really pushing through the fear and showing up to do this interview because I think so many people are going to get not only a good look at, you know, his personal journey and story and how he healed, but also really get some insight as to what could be going on with 
some of the male figures that they've dealt with or that are in their life and how to better help them get more in touch with breaking down some of those toxic masculinity traits. Okay, we are going to switch gears and hop into some of your FML stories. Here we go. Hey, Gabrielle. My name is Marcy Darling, and I'm the author of Divorce Diva. I have been divorced for one year after a three-year-long brutal battle with a scallywag ex who could not tell the truth to save his life. After he left, he had given me a lot of jewelry over our 20 years together. Um, I decided that the jewelry carried bad juju, so I sold it all. And I decided I wanted to take my children on my bucket list trip um, to do some of the things that I'd always dreamed about, which were sleeping in castles, riding on the Orient Express, um, visiting Josephine Baker's castle in France, um, and taking my children to see some amazing art in Paris. So that is what I did. And we had the most incredible experience and taking my children um, and my niece on the Orient Express through the Alps was a life-changing, transformative experience and um, was so decadent, so ravishing. It gave me the only jewels that truly matter, memories with my beloveds that um, we will all treasure forever. So I thought I would want to share that with you. Oh my God, girl, I fucking love this so much. If there is ever a time to sell the jewelry, it's to do it to travel. We all know that I sold my engagement ring to take my FML trip. And um, kudos to you, girl. What better way than to say thank you next than to sell the jewelry and take your beautiful kids on such a life-changing adventure. It's just fucking awesome. Yay for you. Hi, Gabrielle. My name is Shiva. I'm 29 years old, and my FML story is about a mother who was about to become my mother-in-law, but I came to my senses and didn't let it happen. I met my ex about two years ago. Let's call him Valat. He brought his mom to the U.S. to take care of her, because um, she did not have anyone back home and she had some health issues. When we met, they used to live together in a house he bought. After a couple months, he asked me to move in with him to the house. That was a hard no for me, even though I didn't know her that much at the time. He used to tell me how negative and unappreciated she is all the time, and I was worried that as soon as she gets comfortable with me, the respect that was between us disappears. Me saying no resulted in him selling the house, us renting our own place and a separate place for her. I'm not even going to tell you how much she complained through the whole process, rolled her eyes at me whenever she had a chance and asking Vlad why I didn't want to move in with them. She complained about every single apartment she looked at, nothing was good enough for her, and she basically ruined the experience of moving in together as a couple for us. I started seeing her true self the more I spent time with her through our interactions and family gatherings. At every gathering, she used to talk about herself the whole time, her unhealthy relationships with her ex-husbands, who by the way divorced her 29 years ago, her toxic dad who used to beat her mom while she was pregnant with her, and so much more. These stories were, by the way, were on repeat at every gathering. I was lucky that he was so honest that he told me everything she said behind my back. 
like her calling me a bitch for suggesting him to do therapy to heal from the toxic unhealthy relationship he had with his parents a couple times she downplayed my career asking me how much i get paid and how much i will get paid after i'm done with my phd by the way this was when i was doing my phd in chemistry another incident was the day after we got engaged we had our moms over for lunch for mother's day she came in all grumpy and upset i went for a hug she obviously didn't hug me then asked to see the ring she then said that the ring is too big and in their country when someone gets engaged they usually get separated a month after i never forget that day she never showed any interest in wedding planning never asked if we needed any help with anything and whenever she talked about the wedding it was only about her not knowing what to wear sounds like a narcissistic person doesn't it she took every opportunity to bring his son down and call him names and not appreciate anything he did for her this is while he took complete care of her taking her to groceries doctors walks hikes gym while he was also paying for everything On top of all this, every Friday she felt entitled enough to text him asking where he's planning to take her for the weekend, as if he and I had no plans of our own as a couple. There was no sense of boundaries or privacy on her end whatsoever. Every time we wanted to take a vacation, she made sure Vlad feels bad for leaving her alone. A month before I ended things, we planned a hiking trip. She straight up said, "No, you can't go," as if he's a 5-year-old asking for her permission. She was so self-centered that she said we can't go cuz we will get covid and transfer it to her. Pretty sure that was just a lame excuse as we were planning to get tested before seeing her anyway. I reached the point that I realized I could but no longer wanted to stay in a relationship my fiance and I were in the only people in charge of. I felt that she thought of herself as the wife and was thinking of me probably as a side chick. So I left. I've been so happy and in peace with my decision ever since. I really could not see myself marrying into that family. I'm raised in a healthy family where people respect and appreciate each other, show interest in each other's lives instead of only talking about themselves, and care deeply for each other. So their family dynamic was really off to me. Anyway, thank you for your amazing podcast. I really love it and I love your book even more. Oh, girl. Okay, I have so many things to say about this cuz I know some people listening will be like, "Well, you know, you're marrying him, you're not marrying his family." But let me tell you, I highly disagree. I also had a very different but toxic uh mother-in-law and it was a fucking struggle. Um it was a struggle to watch her and my ex-husband try and work their shit out in a very toxic way. It was people always say, you know, you're not marrying the family, you're marrying them. That's true in some cases and I do know that some people have in-laws that they hate and they deal um and work it out because the relationship is good enough and strong enough to withhold that. For me personally, I will never fucking be with and marry someone ever again um whose family I don't like and get along with because you do you you do marry the family in a lot of ways there are especially when there's kids that become involved and you're forced to you know be dropping them off to spend time with them i would never want my children to grow up in a uh, 
a toxic space made toxic by the in-laws. So I'm fucking, I'm here for it. More power to you, girl, for making that decision and really choosing you. Um, I'm sure there were, you know, things in the relationship also that that prompted that decision. But I am with you 100% on that. I never thought I would be so diligent in caring about someone's family. But then I look at it and I'm like, dude, if you if you marry into my family, you get my mom as a bonus mom. Like you got to at least come come with some goods to the table. <laughs> Next week, everybody, I am bringing on a guest named Ryan Haddon, who is a life and spiritual coach. We dive deep into all the blocks that are keeping us from finding the relationships that we really are hoping for and desire and wanting to attract from how our type is keeping us from finding those soulmates and really how your subconscious mind is sabotaging your love life. And more importantly, how to manifest the relationships that we truly desire. She is incredible. Her story is incredible. And we really get into some of the things I know people are wanting to learn how to do in their own lives as far as attracting those relationships that we want to uh, to be manifesting. So I'm really excited that Ryan agreed to come on and I can't wait for you guys to hear next week's episode. As always, make sure you are subscribed so you never miss an episode. Make sure you're keeping up with us on Instagram at FML Talk Podcast. And if you are not hanging out on the subscription site, I highly recommend you come party with us on there. Some of the testimonials I have gotten from the women in this Facebook group and how everyone is supporting each other and really creating this beautiful community has been really fucking awesome. Uh, You can do that on patreon.com slash FML talk. You also get an entire season of uncut bonus episodes that are so much fun. Um, And we're about to start diving in to some, uh, some book two stuff on that, that subscription site. So that is the place I promise you want to be. I will see you next week. Until then, have a self-love cocktail on me, guys. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.